Tino my Heidi Mike Tene Hotaki, you are on the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman with you. Lovely to be with you too. Uh, ongoing slip activity in the Dome Valley means State Highway 1 will remain closed today and overnight between Wellsford and Walkworth. Also, State Highway 7 Tekoa Range Canterbury. The road is now under stop go traffic management west of the Hanmer Springs Road intersection due to a crash. So drive with care there. On today, Cabinet Minister Kerry Allen is rejecting claims of a breakdown in the relationship with staff. That's just after four this afternoon. Wellington City Council, they have voted against withdrawing from the Let's Get Wellington moving programme, a massive uh, transport programme there. We get reaction from the retailers this time round. And single-use, hard-to-recycle plastic banned from Saturday. But shock horror, those little labels that you all hate, that are sticking around after the ban. And the panel question today. A rail conference has been told that the Auckland-Wellington uh, route is the perfect route for a sleeper train, a train that you can sleep on. Hang on, haven't we had that? So today I want your stories of travelling the luxurious, sumptuous, slow-moving slow moving Silver Star in the 70s. What about the northerner? You leave Auckland, wake up in Wellington, have you done it? Lots of leg room, and there was a buffet record. Text me at 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. And uh, we are also on iHeart. Apple and Spotify, the panel's there if you missed it. With me today, licensed private investigator and author, the one and only Julia Hartley-Moore. Kia ora, Julia. Kia ora, Wallace. Great to have you here. Also, David Cormack, Managing Director of the Draper Cormack Group, former staffer in the Green Party. David, welcome. Kia ora, Wallace. Roy, David and Julia with me this afternoon. Nice to have them here. And hasn't it been a slow start for our ski slopes this winter with high temperatures and rain taking the toll? Mount Hutt is celebrating its 50th birthday this year, but sadly had been closed for over a week now. Prominently, Mount Ruapehu has been on the receiving end of a loan of up to $5 million from the government to ensure that these, their season goes ahead. Ski field operator Ruapehu Alpine Lifts, they employ around 700 people and Ruapehu accounts for around a tenth of the regional GDP annually. What needs to change for them to operate? With us is um, Professor Nicholas Cullen, the University of Otago School of Geography's um, researcher and he researches the interactions of the atmosphere with snow and ice surfaces. Nicholas, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Pleasure. How does this year compare to previous years on these slopes? Uh, well, we've uh, we've had a bit of a warm start, so uh, we've entered this winter fairly warm. Uh, May was the warmest month uh, ever for New Zealand. And so uh, things just need to cool down a little bit to kind of get things going, I think, for some of the ski areas. I went on and had a look at uh, an online ski magazine, you know, taking images of the ski fields around the the country. Uh, Not looking good, is it? Well, they, you know, it kind of comes and swings them roundabout. Mm. So we had a little cool period and they got some snow and they got going and then... 
yeah, in between that, it got a little warm. But uh, we're looking we're looking really good again for this weekend. Things are going to cool down. Mount Hutt got 20 centimetres of snow the night okay. before last. So things things will change pretty quickly, I think, for them. Are you a skier at all, Julia? I was, just, I was waiting for that, Wallace. Um, no. Having said that, I, I, I love to ski on my backside. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say, I also looked at the weather and I saw that it's definitely going to change. And you mark my words, there will be snow this weekend. Optimism there, Nicholas? Yep, I'm liking that optimism, and I think that's fair. It will certainly cool down for the weekend, and uh, I'd expect some uh, more snow to fall okay. on some of these areas that really need it. How about you, David? No, I, last time I went skiing, I, I don't know how to stop, and a <laughs> man my size, I built up a lot of momentum, and I just I fell down and kind of tumbled down a hill and knocked over a small japanese child and i looked up and her family came rushing over to me um to apologize to me and i was like no i'm a big fatty that just wiped out your child like this is a hundred no i hate skiing it's just a rich person sport like polo okay nicholas so we have a panel full of uh, uh anti-skiers uh and i'm I can- not anti-skiing please get it correct i just i i love the snow but i'm not good at skiing I'm you, better sitting down than standing uh, up. Absolutely. And, Nicholas, I haven't uh, really skied. But the wider issue here, of course, is climate change, is it not? That's right. I think uh, the the we've, we're getting warmer. Our last uh, winters have been very warm. Last winter, in particular, was the warmest on record. and uh, Warmest on record yeah. so far. So far, and, and and so yes, it's getting a, a little bit more difficult. But that said, uh, some of these skiing operators have never been better at kind of producing a high quality product with snowmaking, yeah. and uh, and they're, they're they're very well equipped to handle these uh, slightly warm starts. And then you never quite know what you're in for. This time last year, we had masses of snow, and the school holidays were a great success. So. There's always a bit of variability in the uh, the skiing industry. Yeah, uh, because there is that volatility, isn't there, even though there is that that year-on-year warming increase. It's quite amazing. It's quite astonishing, Nicholas, to know the economic impact. It has such a big effect on towns like Ohakuni, doesn't it? We talked to someone um, uh, last week when the announcement was made that it wasn't going to go ahead uh, pre the bailout. It was just almost like shock and awe in the town. Oh, it's tough for those towns, but that, that uncertainty hasn't been just linked to snow, mm. and uh, and they've and they've just been in, through a bit of a management process. Uh, but look, it's uh, it seems like they've got to go ahead from the government going to allow those guys to get going and uh, the best thing that could happen up there is that they have a big winter and uh, and get that snow and get those people in there and 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 just back to the panelists it's not all just about skiing I mean these mountains offer all sorts of uh, opportunities for people and uh, they're beautiful places and, and it's part of our brand I think it's yeah. something that we really need to hold on to while we still can. Fair point David is not just skiing. No I, totally and you know my feelings around our inaction on climate change Wallace like we've been appalling and everyone else has been appalling and now we are reaping what we have sowed and so very much a supporter of the mountains having snow. And also uh, Nicholas one thing that has been raised 
is uh, some of these, the rejuvenation of some of these places, uh, uh, less so perhaps um, uh, uh, the likes of Ohakuni, but you never know, but the likes of uh, uh, the, the bike trails in the south, I mean, they've just wholly rejuvenated these tiny towns. Oh, completely. And I think that may be some of the future for these areas, sort of diversifying what they do, not necessarily just relying on uh, the skiing in winter, but all the other things that you can do in the mountains. They're great playgrounds for everybody, and there's lots of different um, opportunities for people. Uh, but the snow part is, it's going to get tricky, and uh, and the snow modelling that we have done suggests that uh, the snow line will increase in altitude so uh, where that snow resides mm. uh, you'll have to go a little bit higher to find it in the future and uh, and there's still plenty of work for us to do in that space we actually haven't done that much snow modeling uh, right. and projections for New Zealand so I think that's an opportunity for researchers to I think it's timely it's time for us to start doing a bit more of that all right, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, more snow modelling to be done here. Nicholas Cullen, Kiora, thank you for your time on that. Uh, Nicholas is from the University of Otago School of Geography, and uh, here we go. First, uh, first tracks. What we call it when there's enough snow was this week last year, Wallace. It's not a mandated thing, so it changes a little each year. By the way, David, I've never been wealthy. I give up the equivalent of a trip to the Gold Coast to pay for skiing each year. So there you go, David Cormack. You don't have to be uh, Gwyneth Paltrow to snow. (laughs) Okay. To ski. Yeah. To ski, rather. Both. Cool. Cool. It's still a really expensive sport. Yeah. Uh, We have been inundated with the most wonderful stories about your memories of the Northerner and the the Silver Star, the Silver Express. Wallace, I travelled in the late 70s from Wellington to Auckland and returned on the Northerner. It didn't have the official sleeper. Um, So just wonderful. The Northerner stopped at Waioru at the army camp around midnight 1974, regular force cadet, 15 years old. So thank you for that. Uh, lots of memories. I travelled the Silver Star several times. It was luxury to my teenager world. The time, I recall, was back from the David Bowie concert. Everyone on board had been to the concert. So uh, that's what we're asking. It's the panel question this afternoon. Have you travelled on the Silver Star in the 70s? Auckland to Wellington, vice versa. Time for I've been thinking. Let's start with David Cormack today. David. All right, I've been paying a lot of attention to a situation that's been developing where orcas are ramming boats, and it's been happening for a couple of years now, mainly around the uh, coast of Spain and Portugal. And I'm not usually a fan of organised crime like this, but I think I can make an exception here, because what is being orchestrated is actually a systematic attack on wealth, which is obviously something I'm ideologically here for. In the past, I've felt a little bit awkward about orca. I watched an Edinburgh documentary where a group of orcas, they were hungry, and there was the solitary seal on the ice floe, and this pot of orcas decided that it would be lunch, and they would just play with the seal and knock the ice floe so it would slide off and then let it climb back on, and then it would slide off and let it climb back on, and then finally they just let it slide off really slowly and the camera zoomed in on its face and this poor little seal's eyes wide as it slid to its death and I was like horrible creatures (laughs) right because we watched Free Willy and we were under the impression that orcas were, were, were friendly but they're not they're terrible that said 
Now that they're actually literally trying to eat the rich, which is something I've advocated for years, I am back on board the SS Orca. And despite one expert saying that we shouldn't judge them by our own standards because what feels like ramming may actually just be an orca moving the boat or rudder with their heads and bodies because they cannot hold things with their fingers, they've still managed to sink three boats in the last year, which is more than any of my land-based anti-capitalist friends have managed. So... Big support to the orcas. May you bring your trail of destruction here to New Zealand, and I think a good place to start would be Auckland. <laughs> there were a phenomenal well, <laughs> number of orc-based puns dotted throughout yeah, there, and I'm very, very proud clever. of myself. They did not go unnoticed. Yeah, knocking out of the park, David. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, Julia Hartley-Moore, I've been I thinking. Can't top, I, I can't top the yes, orcas. Yes, you I can. Mean, we, have orcas, we have orcas out here off where I live. Um, I'll, I'll be thinking about that. I won't be going out in my kayak from now on. Um, I um, I just don't know where all the food's gone from the grocery store. Every time I want to buy something, it's out of stock. It's out of stock. There's nothing there. What's going on here? Does anybody know where the food is? Okay. No, all right. Um, the listeners will know. What are you short of? What do you need? It, Let us know. The okay. panel can help. What are you short? What What are you short of, Julia? Well, well, I mean, we had the egg thing, but I have a dog that has to eat chicken because she's got pancreatitis, so I've got to cook that. Now, you try and buy chicken, that's so hard to get chicken in the quantities I need it. Um, Where you know, are you? Vegetables. I'm in Auckland. Ah, Auckland. You know, seriously. And I just think this, I has, it's never been like this. Shocking, isn't I it? I don't know what. Shocking. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Just very, the, so true. David, so hard to get hold of things these days, isn't oh, it? Look, every day I walk into the supermarket and I go, where is the chicken? And, you know, I've started actually going and finding those feral ones on the side of the road and just wringing their necks and plucking them, such as my thirst for chicken. You've upset the country again. You always do it, David. Uh, uh Robert says, skiing is a rich man's sport. What utter rubbish. I've skied all my life. Oh, there's so much about this. Where has it gone? Anyway, thank you so much for your response. We're going to collate them and actually uh, come back to... (laughs) Sam, are you with me on this? Can you help me with this? The panel are international.